When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If, 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 if your blood runs orange and blue, orange and blue, blue this, this is the pod, is the for, pod you. for you. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods, hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. He can't get away with it. He's not going to get away with it on this episode of Orange and Blue Buzz. EJ Stewart, Tommy Beer. We're here with you for a new episode of Orange Blue Bloods, a New York Knicks podcast hosted by Odyssey and WFAN. Of course, if you enjoy these episodes, we drop three times a week talking Knicks basketball. You can catch that on their free Odyssey app or wherever you stream your podcast. And wherever you do get those podcasts, make sure you hit the auto download feature so that you can uh, so you can get these episodes whenever we drop again. This is the second episode of a three uh, episode drop week, which we normally do. And we're talking a lot today. And. That anger and that frustration comes from the Knicks loss that we saw just this past Monday night. Knicks lose to the Bucks, blew a 17-point lead. Um, so we'll get into all that went into that loss. We do have a game coming up on Wednesday, so we'll talk about that as well. You got the Knicks hosting the Pacers. And then we're continuing our midseason report cards. And lo and behold, we just happened to get to coaching today on the uh, on this episode in our midseason report card. And I think it's uh, quite fitting given the game we had last night. I mentioned Tommy Beer on the podcast as always. Tommy, how you feeling? Uh, feeling all right, EJ. Um, yes, a frustrating loss for the Knickerbockers last night. Um, that one would have been, um, I thought, you know, like they're up 17, third quarter. Um, should they have been able to hold on? It felt like they were going to make a statement to the rest of the league. Um, you know, it just so happens that uh, last night, uh, Monday night, was the 41st game of the season exactly halfway through the through the the 2022-23 campaign um, would have been nice to enter the the halfway point with a victory but alas it wasn't meant to be yep and it meant the Knicks uh winning streak that hit four games was snapped we did not get five on it unfortunately so uh let's talk about it so we'll talk about all those other subjects but let's begin with the Knicks they blew a 17 point lead at home to drop a heartbreaker to the Milwaukee Bucks Monday night at Madison Square Garden. Uh, the Knicks led by 16 points with two minutes and 25 seconds left to play in the third. When the Bucks stormed back, they finished with a 13-2 run uh, to end that third quarter and then end up retaking the lead in the fourth quarter. A seesaw battle in the fourth kind of was culminated with a, a, a three-point barrage by Drew Holiday, who caught fire late. He had some huge shots to keep the Bucks ahead. The Knicks did get a career-high 44 points from point guard Jalen Brunson, but that was not enough to overcome several fourth-quarter mishaps. So this uh, loss, as I said before, snaps New York's four-game win streak. So, uh, Tommy, let's start it with um, the, the the closing of the game or the lack thereof. Why do the Knicks continue to struggle closing these games out, and what did you see from last night that particularly plagued them? Yeah, so – uh, about three minutes, 15 seconds left in the third quarter. Um, IQ uh, is in the uh, top of the key, knocks down a three-pointer. Knicks were up 73 to 58. 
Um, you know, it seemed like they were in really good shape, had a good opportunity to obviously extend the, the win streak to five games. At that point, three minutes left in the third quarter, Bucks had hit just eight of their first 28 three-point attempts in the game. Um, over the final 15 minutes of that contest, they shot 11 for 21 from behind the arc. Um, they dished out 11 assists versus committing just one one turnover and outscored New York 53 to 34 over the final 15 minutes. Um, so, yes. It was ugly, and it's a lot of the themes that that have kind of plagued the Knicks this season in those close games. Um, stagnation offensively, a little bit too much ISO. Um, to their credit, the, and I obviously you have to give the Bucks a lot of credit here. They hit a lot mm -hmm. of contested threes. They also did a good job um, of taking the ball out of Brunson's hands when possible in the in the in the final quarter. Um, even despite that, um, he put up again incredible numbers: fifteen points in the final five minutes of the game. Um, but the Knicks ran into trouble when they ran into doubles and trapped them and forced Julius Randle to 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 make decisions in the fourth quarter, um, which has been a recipe for disaster for the Knicks and uh, we saw much of that um, rear its ugly head so uh, yeah just uh, you know I, th I think you obviously give a lot of credit to the Bucks, but there's also some mistakes that the Knicks made as well and and I think that uh, frustrated you just a little bit EJ. Oh yeah to say the least look I, I, when it comes to this game I, I know Julius Randle he, he started extremely poorly shooting the ball he ended up shooting he, and he finished poorly but I mean he couldn't buy a shot for like the whole first half he ended up shooting nine for 29 uh, one for 12 from three. And so not a good shooting performance. I don't put much of this on him. Um, I thought he defensively, he was outstanding against Giannis. He battled him. I, I, he got way more time on Giannis than I expected. I really thought we'd see Mitch get more time. Uh, Julie's taking that, taking that challenge and uh, keeping Giannis to a relatively um, pedestrian stat line for him. 22 and 10 is pedestrian for him. Not for most guys, obviously. Uh, I, I, you know, I can't fault Julius. I know he didn't, he had some turnovers. He had some, uh, poor shot selection, but he was battling on the defensive end. Uh, he gave a, def a championship defensive effort, so I can't say anything about him. Brunson, outstanding. Quickly, outstanding. Uh, so, for me, I know this is a game about players, but this feels like one of the first losses in a while. And maybe, not in a while, but maybe in a short, in this short era, this short uh, span of games where it really feels like this game was lost on the, at, at the coach. It feels like Tom Thibodeau really cost this team this game and and there are multiple multitude of reasons why number one you start the game uh we're figuring out what's the rotation going to be are you going to go to 10 if you're going to go to nine who comes out he decides to go with hardenstein instead of uh sims when obi Toppin returns um hardenstein goes over six he had maybe the turning point of the game when he missed three straight layups around the basket in the third quarter they swore up i think 14 or 15 at that time uh, and, and it just seemed like he kind of took the air out of the momentum of that game. Like I tweeted in the third quarter, watching this game, you see the Bucks are lagging. They look tired. And I'm like, the Knicks, this team is primed to be run out of the gym. Like they look like they were ready to kind of give the game up because the Knicks have played, played them so hard. I thought their energy level uh, for really the entire game was, was outstanding. And Hardenstein goes, he, he misses three layups right at the basket. Two of them were air balls. And it kind of just sucked the life out of the team. So hard time for Sims, terrible move by Tibbs. Um, fourth quarter, we have Evan Fournier playing eight minutes, eight minutes in the fourth quarter. He played 15 minutes for the entire game. Half of his minutes came at the most crucial time, and it's not an accident that in those in that fourth quarter, which was the most Fournier played throughout the game, Knicks gave up 38 points. Uh, other quarters, 22, 24, 27. 
Fournay's out there for most of the fourth quarter. They give up a million points in the fourth quarter. You think there's a correlation there? I think there is. Um, and and to stay on the Fournier point, the defensive principles and the lack of adjustment from this coach also maddening, maddening, because you see uh, Julius really handling Giannis and showing the ability to guard him one on one at times, but instead of allowing him to stay on Giannis to at least see what could happen or maybe adjust if Giannis starts to get it rolling, they're still doing these crazy defensive principles. One play where, you know, Fournier's in the corner and Giannis is posted on the right block and he's telling Fournier to double Giannis from the opposite corner. Giannis finds a guy, I think it was Connaughton, wide open, easy, just easy. Expecting Fournier, who, you know, is slow as molasses, to run from the opposite block to the other corner to a three-point shooter's ready to shoot is asinine. And there were so many just breakdowns defensively that I didn't think were on the players. I felt like they were playing hard. It just seemed like Milwaukee just out-schemed the Knicks defensively and put the Knicks in terrible position, which is why we saw that three-point barrage happen. There was no adjustments from the head coach. The Knicks can't execute anything in a game late in the fourth quarter. Anything. They can't execute substitutions. This is a weird thing where they try to get out take out Fournier and then they took out Mitch and actually wanted to keep Mitch in or was the other way around, whatever it was, they can execute substitutions. They can execute fouling. How do you not know how to, not to foul after you score when you're up down two? Tibbs doesn't seem to tell anybody. Nobody seems to understand. They go out there, they get a layup and they put them back up four. Like the fact that this team can't execute anything late in games is an indictment on a head coach. And if this was a guy who in his first year or who's a younger coach, I can understand it a little more. But to see this three years in and your team can't execute anything late in games, it's like, Tommy, you watch other teams play, whether it's these Nick games, you watch other teams just around the league. And you see they usually save their best execution for late in games. You saw that from the bus last night. The shot they were able to get, the quality of shots. They knew exactly what they wanted to do. How is that the Knicks have their worst execution to end game? And it doesn't matter if it's a win or a loss. That's why I'm getting on them right now, because it doesn't matter if they would have won this game. They save their worst execution for late in game. They can't substitute. They can't rotate correctly. They can't get open shots correctly. They can't do anything. And it's and it's maddening because we'll have people will say, well, you still got to give them credit because they have three, they're three games above 500. So what? So what? They lost a game they absolutely should have won because they got outcoached. And I'm saying the same sorry song for the last three years. And it, 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 last night, I know there have been a lot of bad losses. That was the most frustrating one by far because any coach who had any kind of foresight or any kind of, you know, feel for a game would have made adjustments. You would have pulled Hartenstein the minute he was giving you nothing in the first half. You would have taken, you would have yanked Fournier off the floor as soon as the Bucks are hitting those threes instead of waiting for a dead ball to happen, which didn't happen for a while, so that Quentin Grimes couldn't get into the game. Like, there were so many mistakes where he just looks like he's just comatose on the sideline, and it, it, it cost him this game. So, yeah, I'm very upset. I'm raging right now. I thought I'd be cooler headed after uh, a night of sleep, but that has not happened. And, and Thibodeau was a disaster last night. Yeah, I, um, I'm not as down on Tibbs after this one, I, I but I definitely will agree with you on a, on a couple points. Um, one, the Hardenstein. Um, he's got to get benched. At, at this stage of the game, we've seen enough now where he doesn't – he should not be part of the Knicks rotation going forward. Um, you mentioned it. Um, we were curious 
if Obi did return, um, which in fact he did, what would happen with the rotation? Would they go to 10? Would they cut it down to nine? Went down to nine. Jericho Sims, it turns out, was the odd man out. Um, dug into some numbers this morning. Um, going back to the week before Christmas. So we'll go back. It's, it's 10 games. Um, over the next past 10 games, Hardenstein has the worst plus minus on the team by far. Knicks have been outscored by 53 points in the 154 minutes Hardenstein has been on the floor. Um, in, in contrast, uh, Mitchell Robinson is plus 62 during the same 10-game stretch. So that just goes to show you um, when the Knicks take out Robinson and put in Hardenstein, the, the, the downgrade they have, especially on the defensive end. Um, yeah. uh, the uh, Let's see here. Where did I put those numbers? Um, as uh, the, the defensive efficiency, they're allowing nearly 120 points per game um, with Hartenstein on the floor, uh, 124.4 points per 100 possessions with Hartenstein on the floor. Um, yep. those, those numbers come down to 110 per 100 possessions when he's on the bench. Um, so yeah, it just, it, it, it really is remarkable. Um, the, 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 how, how, uh, inefficient and, and how, um, anti-productive, um, you know, just Hartenstein has been, um, it's time to give him a rest, whether that's Tibbs not using him correctly, whether right. there's, you know, we, we heard about some nagging injuries early in the year, um, whether that's impacting him more than we might know, um, whatever the case is, Hardenstein hasn't earned minutes. Tibbs has talked since the moment he walked through the door. You got to earn your playing time, etc. Hardenstein has not done that, um, and I'll be the first to admit I thought Hardenstein was a great signing this offseason. Um, mm -hmm. But for again, for whatever reason, it's not working. Take him out of the lineup, whether that's three games or three weeks, um, whatever the case might be. Give Jericho Sims those backup minutes. Um, let Obi get in. You know, he'll get some more minutes um, as as he kind of gets his legs underneath him. Um, and, and same with Fournier. Um, it could be he. This that may have been the last eight minutes. You know, you mentioned the eight minutes in the fourth quarter. That may have been the last eight minutes. Forty-eight plays for the next maybe the season, maybe in his next career. Because it sounds like R.J. Barrett is very close to returning. Tim said that yesterday. Um, it sounds like he's going to practice uh, Tuesday this afternoon. See how you know he how he responds and potentially return to the lineup uh, Wednesday night versus the Pacers. Um, and if he does, we can safely assume that Fournier will be um, sent back to the bench. And, and obviously, RJ will, will see those minutes. Um, so, but be, uh, and the Fournier thing is frustrating because it's very clear that, that, that when, where, when and where the Knicks have had success and they've established an identity, and that's as defensive team, and that's kind of been their backbone. And when they defend, they give themselves a chance to win. Um, and they have one more often than not, as we've talked about, you know under 110 points, the record. Um, so they need to do a better job defensively. And Fournier is just obviously not the guy for that at this stage of his career. Yeah. And, 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 and the reason why I put that on Tibbs is because if you know, you have a poor defender out there, why he's out there. You, I don't know. I, I no one can answer that question, but you have him out there for that long. You would think, okay, we may have to adjust the defensive principles and certain strategy while he's out there because we know there are certain rotations that are going to kill us. And uh, the Bucks, like people watch games sometimes and think that like things just kind of happen and like, oh, the Bucks are just good and they just got those shots because you know they just happen to get those shots. Like, no, they scheme those shots, they know exactly what they're doing. So they're putting Giannis in a certain position and clearing out one side of the of the of the, of the court, and they're putting a guy that Fournier is guarding in a certain spot. That's not by accident. Like they're doing this on purpose and there's no substitution to adjust for that. There's no uh, change in the strategy to adjust for that. They just keep doing the same thing 
thinking, oh, well, Grimes did it correctly. So Fournier should be able to do it correctly as well. Like, there's no there's no foresight. I always say my biggest issue with this guy, he coaches the game he prepared for and not the game that's being played. And too often we watch games where teams make adjustments or teams uh, do things specifically because of how the Knicks play against them. And the Knicks have zero answer for how to adjust to it if it's not going correctly. And the Knicks had two and a half quarters where, or almost full three quarters really, where uh, what they were doing was great. And yeah, it was because Evan Fournier played only seven minutes <laughs> in those 30 whatever minutes that I played where everything looked great. And then in the game where you know the execution is going to be much tighter, teams going to be much more in their P's and Q's, uh, the Knicks continue to kind of have, again, their worst execution at these moments. Even something as simple as end of the game, you're trying to get a steal or a foul. Evan Fournier is still on the court. I'm sorry. We just had a game a couple of nights ago where Deuce McBride helped cause a five-second violation because they couldn't get the ball in bounds. Like, that's the kind of stuff I talk about when I say, when I watch him and I say, is he awake? Because sometimes I see him do the right thing. And like, okay, that was a great substitution there. And sometimes he's watching the game. It's just like, oh, this guy's been playing. So I'm just going to keep him out there. And it's like, are you actually coaching or are you just playing 2K? And you're just simming the game and kind of just seeing what happens at the end. Like the way he coaches sometimes, I really do feel that way. And uh, it's, it's, it's just, it's tough because like if the Knicks win that game, now you're at a five-game winning streak. You have this big matchup against Indiana, and you start to feel like, okay, we really have something going here. Like, I watched those first three quarters, and, <laughs> and sometimes you watch a game, and it's like, I've learned now not to tweet things immediately because you never know how things are going to end. But I watched, we went through the quarter, third quarter, and I'm like, the Knicks look like a good team. Like, they look like a good team. Like, they look like they have multiple guys that can score. Uh, they look like they can really guard you. Like, the Bucs were having hell trying to guard these guys like they were having, they were having problems defensively they were having problems offensively they just they just looked very uncomfortable and it didn't look like a fluke sometimes you have games like oh yeah this team caught a team at the right moment just like the bucks when they lost by like 50 to the uh to the hornets whatever that was like you have some games okay catch team on the right night you no know, you know wrong place wrong time and whatever like that game felt like oh this is Knicks look like a good team like they look like they could play with a lot of good teams and not that they're going to beat all these teams but they could they could blow out a team like the bucks on a right night and the fact that I felt that way through the third quarter and then somehow this game ended in a loss is, is, is crazy. It's still it's still unbelievable to me. Yeah. Uh, to your point, Nick's net rating um, far better in the first half. In the second quarter in particular, it's plus 5.7. Nick's net rating this season in the fourth quarter is minus 1.9. Um, that's that's bottom third of, of the NBA um, in, in terms of fourth quarter net rating. So, um, yes, they, they, it, it is frustrating. And you see the team develop this lead and then abandon those principles that help them to, to develop the lead. And it, and it results in a loss. I do. I do want to I do want to I know I've been uh, uh, negative EJ here, um, but I do want to highlight how great Jalen Brunson was in this game. I, I, I know I, it's, it's unfortunate that his his best game of the season, arguably, came in a loss but um man i mean even as the knicks were blowing it it still felt like he may pull it out that's how good he was um down the stretch and you think of the caliber defenders he was going up against whether it was carter whether it was holiday the fact that he put up those numbers against those guys and um a lot of them down the stretch like you know when when the game got tight it was essentially brunson versus the bucks really late 
incredible 18 points in the first quarter that's a that's a career high for Brunson got three fouls early fouls on holiday which took him out of his rhythm obviously took him out of the game in the first quarter took him out of his rhythm completely um he was a non-factor until the final three minutes when he caught fire and showed yeah. his, why he's a champion and, and why he's one of the best two-way point guards in the NBA um but yes you really can't say enough about Brunson last three games uh dude is averaging 36 points 6.3 rebounds six assists uh, 3.3 made threes while shooting 54% from the floor, 44% from downtown, 80% from the charity stripe. Um, one of the one of the few flaws, I guess you could say, he had coming into the season was his pull up three pointers, and you you know kind of worried about. He knocked out a few more of those. Uh, came into it as a 30% career th- uh, three point shooter on pull up threes, um, up up over 40% on those shots this season. Just just when you think you know, and then uh, obviously started out the game well put the Knicks on his back in the fourth quarter, kept them close. Yeah. Um, if he wasn't in the game, they would have lost going away. They would have lost by double yeah. digits. Finds a way to get buckets when when, when everyone else gets tight. Um, you know, Randall just does not perform well in, in those big moments, as we've seen time and time again. Um, and again, not to pin too much on Randall, he's allowed to have a clunker. In terms of efficiency, still finished with 25, almost 15 and 5 yeah. in a, on a bad night, which says just how well he's been playing. Um, and, and to your point, um, credit to him for not allowing his shot dropping to impact him on the other end of the floor. Um, it seemed, if anything, it seemed like he was more, you know, instead of taking his anger out on the referees, seemed like he got after it defensively um, and again, stayed aggressive on the boards. Um, but yeah, um, I also wanted to, in addition to Brunson, shout out quickly. Um, Absolutely. Nine of 14, another efficient game. Um, you know, he just continues to exceed expectations. Um he, so, so he started IQ has started seven games. Um, RJ Barrett has missed the last seven games quickly has, has replaced Barrett in the starting lineup for those seven contests. Um, and going back uh, over those seven games, he's averaging 20.3 points, 5.3 boards, 5.9 assists. Only six players in the league have matched or exceeded those per game totals in those categories since Christmas. Jokic, Harden, Doncic, the bonus, Ball, and LeBron James. So pretty good company. Um, you know, th- 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 those two guys played well again together. And really, uh, it- it's it's a shame that they had to lose that game, considering how well those guys played. Um, the backcourt, quickly in Brunson, scored 67 points on 44 field goal attempts. The other seven Knicks that saw the floor last night scored 40, attempt- 40 points on 56 field goal attempts. So um, really was a story of the Knicks backcourt playing extremely well and then the frontcourt guys, um, both uh, and the bench letting down uh, IQ and JB. Yeah, and it was unfortunate. I mean, even if you put Randall into that equation with his 25, I mean, you got two points from Mitch, four points from Grimes, three points from Toppin, zero from Hardenstein, 0 for 6, uh, three points from McBride, and three points from Forney. He did hit a fourth quarter three. That was a, a big shot. Yeah. But like, like that's not enough. I mean, you know, like that, like that's that's not going to get it done. Um, you need much more production from those other guys. So um, a lot of people uh, let down JB. It wasn't even just Tibbs, in my opinion. I think it was it was a lot. Um, they got to get they got to find a way to get Mitch the ball more. Like I, I know, obviously, he's not a post up threat or anything, but you know, his ability to kind of uh, 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 put pressure on the defense, pressure on the rim with his vertical uh, uh, threats. Like they, they, they need to find a way to utilize that more. Um, I don't know if that means JB has to be a little better in the pick and roll game when he, they get in, into that action looking for him. But he's such a highly efficient scorer for him. They only get four shots, it, you know, in a game that was going to be kind of a close, lower scoring kind of game. 
that's not good enough. Quentin Grimes needs to play better. He didn't have a great game. Um, other thing I thought I saw too, again, uh, you're talking about these non-adjustments. JB was great, but there were times on the stretch when the Bucks were kind of starting to pull away and Knicks were having problems offensively where Tibbs was consistent in running one four action where you got Brunson running pick and roll action where he's guarded by Holiday and he's going up against Giannis who's covering the pick. Like, again, there's no creativity. Like, you got they had Ingles and Connaughton on the floor. Why not run some one three action with Grimes? Why not run some one two action with quickly? How many teams do you see do that? I don't know how many teams times I see teams put Brunson in action that we don't want him in, but they're forced to because again, they're coaching the game that's being played. They say, okay, they have a weaker defender out there. Let's make sure that guy's in the action. Instead, somehow the Knicks kept putting Giannis and Holiday in the most important action of the game. It's crazy that Brunson did what he did in the fourth quarter, considering that. A hundred percent. If you have Giannis on the floor, and I understand Randall's been a their leading scorer the last three weeks, right. you get her, Giannis as far away from the from from the exactly. middle of the floor, as far away from the ball hander, uh, as far away from Brunson as possible. So if that means sticking Randall in the corner, that's exactly what you do. Um, and if and if Giannis leans off him, then Brunson will Brunson will find him. And and even though Randall's missed a bunch, I'm still okay with him taking a wide open three pointer from the corner. Um, so yeah, totally agree with that. I, I there's it, you know it, it it seems like to your point that the the the, the game plan is. Um, Randall Brunson pick and roll is effective, so let's use it. But you know, keep in mind that 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 when you do that in the in the last five minutes of regulation, that means you're yeah. going to go against Holiday and Giannis, and that's two of the best positional defenders yeah. at the, at each position in the entire league, um, which doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, that's two of the top five defenders in the NBA. Yeah, <laughs> saying I'm willing to. That's yeah. that's like that's like you know if if you had like Warren Sapp. And, uh, you know, like Howie Long in the middle of your defense and Ray Lewis playing linebacker and saying, we're going to run up the gut. Like, right, right. I mean, come on. Like, right. like you got to do something else there. And and the Knicks, again, no adjustments. So uh, they take this loss. 111-107 was the final score. A, a tough loss. But um, you take the silver lining in that you know, Brunson continues to show that he's a star. Um, and that quickly really is looking to show that he he's a keeper. And I'll be damned if they try to trade him. That I mean, he he's just been phenomenal during this stretch. But uh, let, let's move on to uh, the game that they'll have Wednesday night. So the Knicks are back in action at the Garden uh, Wednesday night against the Indiana Pacers. The Knicks are currently one game back of Indiana for that sixth playoff spot in the East. That's a coveted spot because that is the kind of final spot before you get into the playing situation where the Knicks are currently at seven. Uh, the, the Pacers have won uh, two straight, and they are currently one of the highest teams in the league. They have won eight straight, uh, eight and eight out of the last ten uh, since losing to the Knicks in December, one hundred nine, one hundred six. So the Pacers are playing great basketball. They continue to, to hold serve in that sixth spot, despite having really low expectations coming into the season. Tommy, keys to Knicks victory on Wednesday. Pacers are playing at an incredibly high level. Um, Knicks beat the, the the Pacers back on uh, December 18th. It was a Sunday night. That was also adding a little juice to this. It was after that game that Wally had his Wally yeah. Zerbiak had his wannabe fake All Star comment. So this is Hal Burton's first trip back to the Garden since yep. then. Um, but since they so so um, uh, that was December 18th. The next game, the the the, the, the uh, so two nights later. Um, Pacers started a three-game road trip. They beat the Celtics in Boston, then beat Miami, then lost to the Pelicans in New Orleans. That's a healthy Pelicans team with Zion and all those guys. Since then, eight and uh, uh, seven and seven and one um, against 
victories over the Hawks, Cavs, Clippers, Raptors, Blazers. Um, their one loss during that stretch was in Philadelphia against a healthy Sixers squad. That was a um, good game, too. And they lost that game in OT. So, yeah. the, the, you know, the the the, uh, the, the um, Pacers have only lost one game in regulation since they lost that Knicks game a week before Christmas. Um, tells you how good they're playing. Um, when it comes to beating the Pacers, it it, it you know you're just going to follow back the the blueprint um, that they that, that that the Knicks followed in in their previous win when they when they knocked off Indiana. Um, uh, in Indiana uh, in late December. Um, so, you know, the, the, obviously you want to keep an eye on, on Hal Burton. He's, he's, you know, he's kind of the engine that, that gets the, gets the, the team rolling. Um, you know, we've seen uh, Quinn Grimes matched up with, with those guys, uh, the, the other team's elite players. Um, and, and you can expect a lot of Grimes on, on Halliburton going forward. Um, obviously this week, RJ Barrett had a really good game. It'll be interesting if he gets back in the contest. Um, and also Mitch did a really good job on Miles Turner. The, the, the prior time they played uh, Turner finished just two of 10 from the floor, only eight rebounds, one block um, and six points. And he, and he was minus eight. Yeah. Halliburton was five for five for 16 in that contest. Um, Knicks did a good job on Matherin um, and, and uh, Buddy Heald as well. So, um, you know, that's the key, you know, the, the, the Pacers want to get out. They want to run. They're going to, they're going to knock down threes. They have a stretch five in, in Turner that presents a lot of matchup challenges and the Knicks are going to have to match that intensity and, and that shot making. Yeah. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be, I think a, a good game. I think these teams uh, match up with each other fairly well. Um, whenever you see a stretch five, like Turner, you kind of, you know, uh, you know, perks your kind of antennas knowing that, you know, Mitch is going to have to be uh, perhaps maybe a little more tense than he was uh, this past night where, you know, we saw Lopez hit some big shots uh, in the fourth quarter. One time Mitch left a strong side and <laughs> Lopez was a knockdown shooter wide open. Um, so you can't do that against a guy like Turner who can get going. Um, you mentioned the, the rookie Matherin. He's a he's a explosive player, uh, not necessarily a guy you can treat as a rookie. He can get going. He can have a big night. But as you said, Hal Burton is a straw that stirs a drink. So I'm really curious to see how um, how they guard him. I know it's going to be a lot of, of Grimes. Grimes got to stay out of foul trouble in this game. I'm sure IQ is also going to get a lot of time on him. But uh, he's the key. I mean, he's had a tremendous season. Definitely not a wannabe all-star. <laughs> like uh, like, uh, like Ali said, I mean, he's definitely a, a, right now a young star player in this league. And, and last time they kept him to 5 for 16 from shooting. Uh, remember, Julius Randle had a really big stop on him. Uh, playing him one on one down the stretch, there's going to be probably that it's going to probably be that kind of game where it's going to be close and, and they're going to be games where they have to guard him one on one and keep him out of the paint so he's not spraying into shooters or, or pulling up from three. So it's going to be uh, a good game. I think one of the things I would like to see is how the Pacers deal with uh, how they deal with Brunson right right now because the way Brunson is going, uh, Andrew Nemhard really good rookie i don't necessarily look at him as a defender per se uh so that means that i mean halberton uh gets gets brunson and what does that do for his energy level i, I don't remember how much they guarded uh, uh guarded how they guarded brunson last time they played but i think that's going to be uh interesting one to watch nick's bench got to play better you know nick's bench has to play better the the, the, the pacers will have guys like matthew come off that bench that will provide offense they, they can't get what they got against the bucks uh just this past monday night yeah um it may we may see IQ return to the to, to the bench and that right. obviously yeah yeah to the reserves um assuming RJ Barrett returns to the lineup um and the other thing is you mentioned it briefly uh in the first segment um 
more shots for Mitch, get him involved with some pick and rolls, get him some shots of the rim, reward the big guy for all that he's been doing defensively, his glass work and Grimes. Um, you know, RJ Randall again has been great, has been efficient, um, has played both ends of the floor, but we don't need 12, three pointers. We don't need 12, three point attempts. Some of those should go to Grimes. Um, I understand that he hasn't been as efficient, hasn't knocked down as many as you'd like. Um, but part of that may be because he hasn't found, he's not in the rhythm offensively. Um, you know, when, when IQ and, and Grandel and Brunson are taking such a large share, large percentage of the shots while, while they're on the floor, um, it may, it's probably not the most efficient way to run an offense, get Grimes some more looks. Again, he's proven he can knock down three pointers. And when guys close out too hard, he gets in the lane, finishes himself and, or finds teammates. Um, so that's something I'd like to see a little bit more even distribution of field goal attempts between Rand, you know, give him sacrificing some of his attempts. So Grimes and Robinson get some more looks. And then plus you add RJ Barrett back into the mix. Um, you know, he's a guy that's used to taking 18, 20 shots a night. Um, you know, Randall's going to have to sacrifice some there as well. And Randall has done that um, earlier in the season, um, but they're going to need to do that going forward. Yeah. And you mentioned Grimes and his ability to attack the rim. And I thought in the game Monday against the Bucks, I thought that he had some great rim, rim attacks that he just didn't finish on. One, he finished spectacular reverse layup that he finished. A couple where one, I mean, first of all, the refereeing, I don't want to get too much of last night, but the refereeing was awful in that game. Uh, I, I'm all for physical play, but I mean, Brunson is taking threes and how the Holly's running into him with no foul call. Uh, they, 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 the truth, they called uh, Clyde Frazier that to apologize to the fans because he's cursing on air because Brunson's getting tackled by the, by the Nick broadcast team. They didn't call a foul initially. Um, and he crashed into the, to the, to the announcer's table and Clyde had to, had a, a little bit of a, a non-family moment uh, on, on the air. So, so uh, the refereeing was poor. So hopefully we'll get a uh, better refereeing in this game. Cause I think it, it will probably be uh, a similar game. I think, I think that'd be probably a little physical. Um, uh, uh, both last game they played, these teams played a pretty physical, low-scoring game. So uh, I'd expect to see that. And I, the guy that worries me also besides Turner is Buddy Heald because the way uh, that guy's going to get him up. Um, sometimes he's great, but when he gets him up and, he's, and he gets going, he could really hurt you. So we'll see if RJ can play. If RJ doesn't play for some reason, and some of that means Fournier is getting more time out there, um, that worries me because that makes you a slightly worse defensive, maybe a much more worse, worse defensive team, uh, subbing RJ in for uh, not having Fournier in for RJ. So uh, defending the three, definitely, once again, a, a big a big piece of this game. So uh, Knicks Pacers should be a good one. They play uh, Wednesday night. That game uh, starts at, I believe, 730. So a good one uh, at the Garden. So we're doing uh, midseason grades, midseason report cards as we hit the midseason point this week. And uh, we're going to focus today on the head coach, Tom Thibodeau, the man I was just raging on uh, 20 minutes ago. So uh, Tibbs has coached the Knicks to a 22-19 and 19 record thus far this season. I think it's been a season that we could definitely say has been a true roller coaster ride. We've seen long winning streaks, long plays of really solid play from this team. We've seen long losing streaks and long stretches of poor play from this team, but they kind of even it out to have a record that still leaves them three games above 500. Some of the key decisions I think we've seen from Tibbs this season has been how he's handled the rotation, which has changed drastically since the beginning of the season. So uh, at times earlier, it started, it included uh, Cam Reddish and Derrick Rose uh, in the rotation. More recently, it's featured younger players like Deuce McBride and Jericho Sims in the rotation. There was the major change to the starting lineup that included Quinn Grimes in for Evan Fournier, who 
went to the bench briefly before being taken completely out of rotation. He's gotten back in rotation since RJ Barrett's injury. Um, but that has essentially been kind of what we've seen from Tibbs and how he's managed the team. Uh, fundamentally, in terms of how they play, started the season as more of an up-tempo team, have reverted back to more of a, of a slow-it-down half-court team. Offensively, they've actually been pretty good in terms of efficiency. Defense has turned the corner since they went to the nine-man rotation, but it's still been a little bit up and down. Uh, Tommy, how do you grade Tibbs' performance thus far this season? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, I'm of the belief that could head coaches get too much credit when, when teams are successful, uh, in the NBA in particular. Um, you know, in, in baseball, managers basically got to, you know, control the bullpen and certain other minor adjustments here and there. Um, but in the NBA, um, probably too much credit when there's when when teams succeed and too much blame when when things go wrong um so i looking at the big picture nick's top 10 in, in defensive rating top nine in offensive rating um top 10 in both categories is, is obviously where you want to be um eighth overall in net rating three games above 500 um without an overly talented roster um obviously an upgraded point guard has been the biggest difference um the things that i really knocked tibbs on last season um was his ridiculous reliance uh of playing alex burks um you know over the yeah. second half of the season a 30 year old shooting guard when he had quickly um who's proven that he can more than handle his own as a starting nba player um and again it's the frustration lies in the fact that had quickly been given this same opportunity i think he leads the league in minutes uh, since christmas had he been given this opportunity over the second half of last season unquestionably his trade value would have been higher, which means it would have been far more likely that Ainge or whoever else the Knicks were at three, get a three team deal involved. Somebody would have been willing to pony up for, for IQ, especially if the Knicks were willing to let him go because they're not convinced he could handle a contract, you know, it was worth a contract extension. I assume they've changed their tune on that. Um, mm -hmm. Again, it, it leans back to um, the problem. Wasn't just that it cost the Knicks victories, um, which in the grand scheme of things, whether they win 37 or 35 or, or 38 or 36, wasn't all that important. It was about the uh, evolution of the franchise and what was best for the long-term direction of the young players on the team. That means playing Obi more minutes, play, playing IQ more minutes in a lost season when the Knicks were 13 games under 500 in February. Um, that hasn't been as much, nearly as much as an issue this year, whether it's because Leon Rose said, Tibbs, uh, either you play IQ or I'll find a head coach who will, um, you know, <laughs> You play the young guys, you get Forney out of the rotation, you get Rose out of the rotation, um, put McBride in, play IQ more minutes. Um, that led to victories, which proved that that philosophy, that that theory was was correct at the time. Um, so that being said, whether it's because his hand was forced or because he came to it of his own will and volition, um, I suppose is neither here nor there. The, the reality is the Knicks have benefited from it. And again, three games over 500. Um, uh, the record is what the record is. Um, again, it's not, and it's not smoke and mirrors. The net rating, you know, justifies that, 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 that uh, solid uh, uh, record. Um, so uh, grade wise, I'd probably be at a C plus B minus somewhere in that range. Um, again, um, I, I'm not going to give him too much credit for the fact that Brunson's having a career year um, because, you know, Brunson has been slowly developing towards this opportunity. The opportunity presented itself and he damn sure has made the most of it. Um, yep. You know, uh, Grimes should have played more last season. He's getting an opportunity playing really well. Um, and, and Mitch Robb uh, has stayed healthy. That's obviously been a key. Um, so, uh, yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm at on the on the head coaching grade wise.
Yeah, so to me, let, let me let me start with what I can give Tibbs credit for. Um, he at least did make adjustments. He he didn't he didn't sit there and watch this team toil away for half a season for doing anything uh rash. So there were the again, was that the front office? Was that someone else we don't know? But he's the coach, so I have to give them the credit for it. Just like if there's a trade that's made, whether it's the owner or the GM, I have to give the GM credit for it. So um, so I give him credit for understanding that. You could no longer start Evan Fournier. You could no longer be playing 10 guys. Derrick Rose could not play in this rotation regularly. Um, I didn't think Cam Reddish had to be out of the rotation, but I think that taking him out was turned out to be the right move with where things have gone. So this, what we've argued about with him, this inflexibility that we saw with the roster last year, we have not seen. Um, we've seen him change the starting lineup. We've seen him change uh, the rotation. Uh, at times where, you know, we went long stretches last year. There were no real big changes except for Kimba Walker, sometimes being in the rotation, sometimes being out of the rotation. That was the only changes that we really saw for an, an entire season, which was insane. So uh, he deserves credit for that. Um, I think he deserves credit for the Knicks um, offensive improvement in the sense that, yes, Brunson does a lot. And he deserves way more credit than Tips does. But I do think, as I said on the last podcast, Tibbs getting them to play at a lot more faster pace to start the year, I think put them in a better position to execute better offense as the season has gone on. Um, there is more movement. There are guys who are are, are not just standing around. Um, they they play, I think, more of a like together basketball. There's not so much a reliance on isolation, even as they return to more half court play. So uh those are I think are the two main things uh I give Tibbs credit for. Um now here's the the, the 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 bad part. Number one, some of these issues with the rotation started with the bad decisions he made to begin with. Um, I, I said, and in preseason, I said that McBride has to play. Like there, like I don't, I've seen enough. He has to get on the court, and that means Derrick Rose has to sit. Then Derrick Rose has to sit. He decided not to do that, and then we got that month where Derrick Rose was just you know a corpse basically out there, and and really wasn't giving us anything. Um, he started the season saying that he had to start Fournier because they quote unquote needed shooting even though Quentin Grimes, you know, broke the record for most threes as a Nick in one game, um, had games, had a game this year where he had like, what, eight threes. Um, and, and, and we saw Fournier and how he just did not work with their starting lineup and how defenses cooked the Knicks backcourt defensively because you cannot have a backcourt of Fournier and Brunson together. I saw that. Anybody who knows basketball saw that. He somehow did not see that because we, quote, unquote, needed shooting. And how many games did Knicks lose because they couldn't guard anybody stuff here? So that's a knock on tips. Um, the Knicks brought in Isaiah Hartenstein and Hartenstein known to be great passer, great ball handler, great in dribble handoff. The Knicks run none of that stuff. They run no high post action with him. Don't do anything to, uh, to, to, to kind of accentuate his talents, accentuate what he does well. So we've seen his value tank and he's not playing well and he's still playing. So they're still playing him like he's neurons in the wall, even though that's not how he plays. And they have a guy in Jericho Sims who would fit more of the role that Tibbs clearly wants from his back of five. And he seems to not want to play him unless there's some injuries. So we're stuck with Hardenstein struggling and Sims can't get consistent minutes. So that's a knock on Tom Thibodeau. So uh, it's been a, a very mixed bag from the Knicks head coach. I think he's done a better job than he did last year. But if I was grading him last year, he would have got like a D or an F. Like he would not be the coach if I was the general manager uh, right now. So uh, he's done a better job. I, I think that I do want to make that clear. Has he done a good job? No, I don't think he's done a good job. This is a Knicks team 
that's three games above 500. I think if you looked at them before the season, you say they're a team that's around 500. They're, that's kind of what they should be somewhere close to there. You don't get credit for doing the bare minimum. Like, like this, this is not, uh, we're, we're not giving out, you know, easy grades here. You know, I, I do, uh, I do teach in, in college and I, you know, I'm not someone who grades on a curve. So, so no, just because the expectations were middling, just because you make them doesn't mean you get a high grade. So that being said, Tom Dibito, I'm giving you a C on this. C is passing. You didn't fail. Um, you, you've done some certain things. I've seen some of the things you've done, but there, there's, there are too many games this year. And I mentioned earlier on this podcast, about their their inability to execute late in games, and that to me is, is again continues to be his worst uh, attribute as a coach. There are no adjustments in games. There's there, the team doesn't seem to know what they want to do uh, to try to finish games, and to keep to just only keep putting down the players. You can only do that for so long. And I I even held out. I, I defended Tibbs after that Mavs game. I sat on his podcast and defended him. But to see them consistently do this, the Raptors game that they could have lost, they also couldn't finish. Um, it's a clear problem. And 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 their record could be a lot better had they had they uh, finished these games better down the stretch. So um, for Tibbs, I'm giving you a C. Yeah, the 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 pros of Tibbs, you know, basically throughout his whole career, motivating players, getting teams ready, teams will play hard for him, you know, et cetera, that type of rah rah stuff. The con for Tibbs, stubbornly rigid, doesn't make adjustments in grand scheme of things, you know. Took him forever to, for the Knicks to finally increase the three-point production and then in-game X's and O's stuff. He's just ne- never been near the top of the league, probably never will be. Um, so, you know, you just kind of take the pros with the cons. The good thing for Tibbs is that this team is competitive in the playoff hunt. If they were not, he's just not the pl- not the coach for a, re- a rebuilding or a team on the, you know, that needs to learn and get there, you know, and, and have minutes and get reps. Um so I think it's very fortunate for the Knicks front office. Leon Rose is not put in a difficult position um, for the Knicks to be above 500. A lot of that is on because of Jalen Brunson and, and Randall rebounding um, as well as he has um, both literally on the court and metaphorically just in, in, you know, just in terms of the, all the drama and the nonsense that he dealt with last season. He's, he's done a better job of acting professionally this season. So, um, but yeah, very, uh, um, you know, it's amazing that we're already 41 games into the season already halfway over. It seems like uh, things just uh, fly by. Yeah, I know. It's, it's crazy how fast the season has gone. I mean, I don't know if it's because of the, the NFL season, so many teams being in the mix, you feel like you're still really tuned into the NFL. Right. Uh, and then you snap back and you're like, oh, halfway the season. <laughs> now the playoffs are here. You're like, okay, what's going on with the NBA? Oh, snap, half the season's already gone. So, yeah, it is crazy where we've been. And look, when, I, when I'm when I'm evaluating a coach, to me, it's like, if any other guy was in this spot, where would this team be? Like, for example, had we been doing a podcast two years ago, Tibbs would have got an A. <laughs> like, I think that a lot of coaches would not have gotten the Knicks to, to, to that record and what they did. He did a fabulous job, and I was here the first person saying, not the first person, but one of the loudest people saying, Coach of the Year, absolutely, he's done a tremendous job. Uh, last year, again, I look at that roster. A lot of team, a lot of other coaches would have done a lot better with that, so you get an F. Yes. Um, here, I say, okay, what would other coaches would have done? I think most coaches probably have the same record. Some would be better. So uh, you get a passing grade C. You're doing okay. But, like, I, I don't think this is any special coaching job that's being done by him. Um, real quickly, any any adjustments you want to see uh, going forward? Yeah, I mean, just, uh, again, the rotation-wise, be more flexible in terms of when things aren't going well, 
Um, you know, it shouldn't have taken him that long to get McBride minutes, as you noted. Mm-hmm. Um, it and it shouldn't take this long. We've seen we don't need five more games of Hardenstein stinking it up to right from the rotation. Exactly. You know, like get a small sample. And it's not for the rest of the season. You know, if Mitch goes down, you're gonna need Hardenstein to play 24 minutes a night. Of course. Um, if if Sims tweaks an ankle and he's out, then okay, then Hardenstein's back. You same way Fournier had to stay ready. Um, again, that situation. Um when you see that it isn't working, don't be afraid to, to mix things up and, and make make quicker decisions from that standpoint. Yeah, I, I echo those sentiments. It, it takes him too long to to make those those decisions that you know could save you two or three games in the standings. And you're talking about trying to make the playoffs or avoid the play in like that matters. That like, this isn't just like oh well you lost this game. Oh well, like no, the, all these games matter. Like games you should win that you don't win because you don't make certain adjustments or you wait three or four games to make those adjustments. They're they're a problem, you know. So. So I, I echo those sentiments. I think I would also, uh, as I said before, I would like to see them do a better job of the the, the shot distribution throughout the team. Um, we know Brunson and Randall can score. Uh, I think, and there have been injuries, so I understand why they've relied on even more recently. But I would like to see some of these other guys get shots. We've seen that when Quickly gets shots, he can produce. We've seen that when Grimes gets shots, that he can produce. Uh, they got to keep Mitchell involved offensively because, uh, you know, he gives you so much defensively on the glass. You got to feed him. You got to keep him engaged. Put so I want to see them. Yeah, totally. Put players in position to succeed. You know, for instance, when IQ is on the floor by himself and he shouldn't be in the fourth quarter, he should have either Randall or Brunson on the floor. But right. that's, again, another adjustment needs to be made. Run some more pick and rolls the same way Brunson gets the benefit of those. Run those for IQ. Um, have have Mitch Robs, you know, run one five screens up top. Um, same for, for for Grimes. We know where he can be successful. Put him in position to be successful. Um, and those are some of the things I like to see going forward as well. And and if you're gonna absolutely play, absolutely and, so and if you're gonna play Hardenstein, have him run dribble handoffs and have him do the things that he's proven he can handle. Right. Don't just be uh you know something. Don't ask him to fill uh some to, to play a role that he's not comfortable with. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't say that any better. So uh, we'll see how the second half of the season goes. We are officially at the halfway point. So a lot to improve for Tibbs, and, and hopefully he will make those adjustments. But I think that's gonna do it. For this episode of the Orange and Blue Buds podcast, Tommy lets people know where they can find you. At Tommy Beer on Twitter and subscribe to the What's on Tap newsletter. You can find me, EJ underscore Stewart, on Twitter, at EJ on Instagram. Be sure to check out uh, uh, my uh, YouTube channel, New Generation Media and Podcast, New Generation Podcast Network, where we talk sports, superheroes, and Star Wars. So plenty of stuff there to catch me as well. Also catch me on The Fan, WFAN, and on CBS Sports Radio. That's going to do it. This edition of Orange and Blue Buds. Once again, this is a New York Knicks podcast hosted by Odyssey and WFAN. You can get this podcast wherever you stream episodes of podcasts. That includes the free Odyssey app. Um, make sure you uh, hit the subscribe and auto download feature so you can get these episodes whenever we drop. We drop these times a week. So we'll be back later this week with one more episode before we get to the weekend. Thank you guys for checking us out. Tommy, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.